Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. In um, John chapter 17, we're going to go there a little bit later in the message this morning. That's where we're going to land in the scripture. So go ahead and get that pulled up on any of your apps on your phone. Or if you're like me, I like to just bring my good old-fashioned hardcore Bible with me. And we're in this series called Lasting Impact. And in this series, um, we are have been talking about, basically, we're, we're dissecting the scripture in relation to that declaration that God gave us, that as I increase in Christ, that he gives me influence to impact my community. And so that, com- that impact that we want to have, we want it to be a lasting impact. We talked about in this series about how you can go back and you can remember people in your life that they made an indelible impression upon you and you'll never forget it. Your life will never be the same. And I'm so grateful for those people in my life because many times when I had that impression from them, it uh, was something that changed the trajectory of my life for the better. Now, I had a lot of impacts that were also negative that could have impacted my life for the worse. But what we have to do is we have to increase in Christ because as we increase in Christ, when something negative happens to us like trauma, we understand that Our trauma doesn't define us. Does that negate the trauma? It doesn't. That's real. We have scars from that. But that doesn't define my life. When uh, I'm offended, uh, well, I can let offense uh, overcome me. But the scripture says that when scandalon, that's the Greek word for for offenses, when those come, don't, don't let those overcome you. They will come. And when they come, you overcome them. Don't let them overcome you. When we have a situation where somebody might slander our character, we can let that kind of impact affect us negatively, but we walk in the spirit of love. We are guided by Holy Spirit. So we always go back to what 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, right? We go back to what does love look like at the end of the day? And listen to me, impacts are gonna happen. You're gonna have positive impacts, you're going to have negative impacts. And what we do with those is completely up to us, not Holy Spirit. Even if Holy Spirit wants to work good, we can cause him not to work good. We can render it fruitless because Holy Spirit will not force his will upon us. So an impact for the sake of this teaching is an encounter that has a life-changing effect on another's life. Listen, before I go any further, I, w- I want to just, f- you know, we sang that song this morning, Freedom Reigns in This Place. I want to give you some freedom this morning. There are some of you, this, somebody needs to hear this word, hear the word of the Lord this morning. This is not in my notes. I really feel like this is for somebody in this house today. That you need to forgive yourself for the negative impacts that you've had on somebody's life. You need to forgive yourself because that's gone. 
Old things have passed away. Remember we sang that a few minutes ago? Well, that's scriptural. Be, behold, the old has gone, the new has come. So you need to forgive yourself. The Lord is letting you know right now it's okay to forgive yourself. Even if there's not healing, on, listen to me, even if there's not healing on the other side of that, come on somebody, if I asked y'all to stand up, I know there's at least five people in this room that you would stand up immediately say that that word is for me. You need to forgive yourself for the negative impact that you caused. It was your fault. It was my fault. Are you following me? It was your fault. It was my fault. We caused it, and it was a negative impact. We can't do anything except operate in love at this point. It doesn't matter if the other person's not at a place. They may be at a different place in the journey, but you forgive yourself. You operate in love. Amen? You receiving it? Come on, man. That's a good word. Thank you, God, for bringing that to us. So how do, I how do I make an impact? How do I make an impact in the world? Because all of us are impactors. And we talked about these five ways that we can communicate compassion. Um, when in the book, The Five Love Languages, it basically are five ways to express love and to receive love. But, you know, when you go out in the world... You know, we're, we're inside the church right now. We're not in the world. So inside the church, we can talk about those lovey, uh, you know, goosey-goosey feelings of, you know, those, those we love one another, uh, being intimate with the Lord. Well, there's people outside here, they don't understand that language. But we can talk about that in here. So outside the church, uh, instead of saying love languages, it's just ways to communicate compassion, Ways to communicate love to them. And we talked about touch and quality time and words of affirmation and acts of service. And today we're really going to focus on gifts. And giving is a way of expressing love. And I don't know if you like to receive gifts. There are some people that you can give them gifts and it just doesn't matter to them. It's not, doesn't speak love to them. They get it in one of those other four ways. Now, I like getting gifts that I like. You know what I'm saying? I, I want, like, I'm one of those people, like, when you buy me something for Christmas, honey, let me tell you what I want for Christmas. You know, don't go buy me just anything. These are the things that I want. I'm that make a, a wish kind of person, that make a wish list. John 3.16 is one of the uh, pivotal points. It's the fulcrum where all Christianity it, it balances on love. The Apostle Paul told us that if we did all of these amazing things and we did not have love, that we were just making a bunch of racket, that we were just a bunch of racket makers in the ears of God because we must operate in love. So you look, if we have to operate in love, I want to know what uh, what love looks like. And so I go to the author of love because God is love. That's in scripture. It says God is love. Like, I don't know if you know this or not, but love, think about this now. This is deep. Love is just not a feeling, but it's actually a substance. Like love is matter. Are you following me? God is spirit. But when I say matter, I don't mean necessarily in the, 
in, in the earthly sense of matter. I guess I'm, there is no thing as spiritual matter, I don't guess. But the point I'm making is like love is the substance that God is made of. Like he is love. Like, man, that's so powerful that he's not like love or he's not, uh, you know, like clothed in it. No, he is love. Like it is the essence of his being. So if I'm going to operate in love, then I want to know what is the model of love. Because, you know, people say, well, I love pizza. I love baseball. I love my car. We don't really mean those things. That's, uh, that's an affection or an infatuation that we might have with some inanimate object. But love can be boiled down into like these four different categories. In the Greek, they would interchangeably use these words. And they, one would be phileo, and that's the love that I might have for Harold. Like we're friends, that's friendly love, phileo. Then storge would be what Shay and I have. That's family love. That's my love that I have for my wife, my children, my you know crazy Uncle Fred. That's storge love. Uh, it's that family love that goes uh, a little beyond just friend love. And then there's eros love. That's the love that in, uh, in a believer's world that I can only have that love with my wife. And that's where we're uh, attracted physically to each other. And then there's this other love. And that's the love that we really are talking about. So let's read this. To, well, let me read it. Uh, For God loved the world so much, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's a scripture that, man, I mean, they teach you that right out of the gate in Sunday school. You know, that, that basically is the crux of the matter when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. Look at this. The word love here is agapeo. That Greek word, it's the highest, most pure form of love as a choice, not out of attraction or obligation. I choose to love you. Like, I, I'm choosing to love you. Like, it's one of those that you don't deserve the love. I don't deserve the love. But it's a love that comes. And it's not, you know, I, I heard somebody say, well, I don't have a choice. No, you do have a choice. You do have a choice to love. But if you don't, like, if, if, you, if you're forced into it, it's not agape love. It's, it's probably not love at all. It's this thing that deep down inside that you love that person. You love that people group. You love this uh, whatever tribe or the you know, global population. We love them. And it's the highest choice of love because it's a willful love. I make the choice to love you. Now, this will maybe make sense a little bit more as we get into the message. So, love. And then look at this other word, because this is an important word, the word world. God so loved the world. The world is the object of his affection. The world, the Greek word there is cosmos. And it means, an, listen to me, man, it means an orderly arrangement, adornment, or decoration, it, it doesn't mean what we typically think. 
When God says, I love the world, the cosmos so much that I gave my one and only son, he's looking at the world now. And he's looking at this messed up, freaked out, mucky muck of a mess that man has made. And listen, he ain't talking about 2023 when he's writing this to to us. Are you following me? Like it was messed up back then. It's messed up now. When he's writing this, he's looking at the world and he's looking at it with this look of adornment. Like he loves the world. Like it's beautiful to him. Come on, man. If you stick with me for a second, he's looking at the broken world and he loves it. And it's beautiful to him. He's looking at the broken world and it's like an adornment and a decoration. You know, when we have decorations in our house, we put it on display for all to see. We, we're proud of it. We put it in a prominent place. <clears throat> when he's looking at the world, he's not looking at it going, oh, I love them so much, but they've got to clean their act up. Oh, my me. <laughs> all right, I'm going to send you down there. You got to go do something before I can. No, friend, listen. He's looking at the world with deep affection. Man, these are his kids. These are his creations that are formed in his image. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. Listen to me. I'll get more into it later. But when he's looking at the world, the cosmos, he's looking at it with the heart of a father who has begat mankind. And he loves Mankind. He loves not what they've become, but he loves who they are and what they can be again. Are you following me? Look at this in John 3.16, and as it's talking about love, there is a direct correlation between loving and giving. God so loved the world that it motivated him to give. I've heard people say that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Think about it. People can give you an obligatory gift. That's not agape. That, I mean, they might give it to you out of an obligation because you're retiring or it's pastor appreciation day. I don't even like that guy, but I got to write a check, you know, to whatever, you know, what I'm saying. It's not that. It's a direct correlation that when we love like God loves, the loving evokes a generous heart. And so how do we see the world is the question, all right? How do we see the world? Now, I don't want to get on a soapbox too much because y'all know I like to get on those. But how do we see the world? You know what? I was raised to see the world as disgusting. Bear with me, folks. Now, I'm going to be transparent with you. I'm going to talk about me because I can talk about me and my experience. I was raised to see the world as disgusting. And y'all can go, well, the church did it to you. No, friend, I looked at the world as disgusting before I ever knew Jesus. So people in my life taught me to look at the world 
as disgusting before I ever knew Jesus. Then I came to Christ and, I, and, and it, it helped me, it, it elevated me a, a degree or two towards love. But then I became, uh, uh, to, I came to this place where then I saw the world as an object, a project that I need to go fix and I need to go solve the world's problem. And listen, I don't think that's what God called us to do. You got to be careful because in our divided culture, are you following me? In our divided culture, in our divided church, meaning that, yes, did I just say? Absolutely, I said that. The church in this day and age is as divided as it ever was on different things because we've made other things besides love our object, you know, or, or our action. And so, um, seeing the world as disgusting or repulsive, like, I'm being honest with you, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with how I was raised. And I see people living certain lifestyles, and I struggle with being repulsed by that. I struggle with, with, with just dealing with that. Is that okay? I'm not asking you if it's okay biblically. I'm asking you, is it okay for me to be honest with you? Like I struggle at times, man, with people. I struggle with people in my own family. Well, pastor, you, you don't know because you, oh, stop that mess. Just stop. I can start in my immediate household. Are you following me? Man, don't, don't, don't put that on me. I can move out to my extended family. Dude, I'm telling you, I have dysfunction in my family. And don't look at me like I got three eyes because all of us in here do. We all have it. We all have it. But I'm telling you what, as we operate in a spirit of love, it'll change our heart if we will allow it. How do we see the world? I was reading this book, and I keep saying, man, I want to do a study on this. And it's called, I Want to Bear Fruit. It's written by a missionary that a lot of us know personally. And he was a missionary in the Philippines. And while he was going down there, he, uh, he went down there to kind of visit and met with another pastor. And he's going out, and he's, he's showing him the different areas of the city. And he shows him, he's like, I want to take you down to the red light district. And he's like, here's where a lot of, like, you'll, dude, you'll see all kinds of stuff. You'll see transvestite. Uh, prostitutes and transgender. I don't know if it was a thing back then. It probably was, you know, people just didn't know what to call it. And, you know, you're going to see that down there. You're going to see, and he's like, I'm going to see a real life prostitute. Like this, this guy is so sheltered. He's like, you mean I'm going to see a real life prostitute? Like, wow, I've never. And he's like, well, actually you're not going to see a prostitute you're going to see daughters of God. That the enemy has lied to them and told them that they are prostitutes. I read that in that book and I was like, oh, wow. I've been looking at the world through the wrong eyes. I've been looking at people like, you know, they're horrible and icky and ugh. Listen to me, friend. Every homosexual is a son of God. Every transgender, whether they've had surgery or, or not, 
they are a son of God. Every person who's a Democrat is a son or daughter of God. Every Republican is a son or daughter of God. Every person of a different race that somebody might have some prejudice over is a son or daughter of God. Everybody who's at a different church, my Methodist friends this morning, uh, Stephen and Ann, right? Uh, you know, hey, you know what? We're, we're all part of God's family. People who are atheists and people who are agnostic, we're all sons and daughters of God. Doesn't matter where we are on the journey or if we're even on the journey, we're all sons and daughters of God. So man, listen, how we see the world, it's like I just, I'm asking you this next time. I'm doing this myself. Like to begin to look at that person through God's eyes and not our eyes. Not the things that we've been taught about them. You know, well, he's just lar, uh, lazy, sorry, and no good. Well, that might be true. It, does, it doesn't negate the fact that your actions, you know, might point to some things. But like, man, he, those people need life spoken into them. Do, are you following me? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. This would be a total renovation in people's lives if we would begin to change those kinds of things. And as we begin to see them, how looking at them through God's eyes. And just be loved to them, speak life, and let God figure out how to fix them. You know what I'm saying? Like, just let God figure out. As a matter of fact, if we would operate that way, it would alleviate us from a lot of pressure. Because I'm just telling you that when I was growing up and how I was taught to see the world, I was taught that I was supposed to fix everybody. That it was my job as the pastor to fix up your craziness. Does that, does that make sense? And I'm like, you know what? It's not my job. It's not my job to make you believe it's not my, it's my job is just to speak the truth and it falls wherever it may. You know what I'm saying? I can't fix you and you can't fix me. The only thing that we can allow is Holy Spirit, our submitted will to him and Holy Spirit will come and will do the work. And sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. I get irritated with folk. I do. I know y'all don't. Y'all never get irritated with people. But I get irritated with folks because they know better. They've been in the faith too long. And listen, I've got biblical precedent to speak to people. Because, why? Just pick up the book of First and Second Corinthians and you will go and you will see how Paul laid it out to the church. Now listen to me. I've already told you. The way that I speak to church people and the way I speak to the world are different. Yeah. You follow me? Yeah. When I had my little, my kids were little, and if, uh, let's just say Pastor Wesley's boys came over to, uh, like, I can't get on to Pastor Wesley's boys like I can get on to mine. But I can speak to my child in a much harsher tone. I can tap that hiney if I want to. But I can't tap the hiney of his kids because next DHR will be on my doorstep because he's offended and blah, blah, blah. Man, back in my day, the neighborhood moms, the neighborhood moms, they, they didn't care. They'll tire you up. And then they'll tell you, now go on home and let Betty whoop you uh, because I'm fixing a collar and tell you I whooped you the first time. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, man, when we begin to look at the world through the eyes of Jesus, 
the world through the eyes of Jesus. We will be alleviated, released from the fact that I got to fix you. It's not my job to fix you, and it's not your job to fix me. It's my job to allow Holy Spirit. It's not our, wor- it's not, it's not our job. I, listen to me. It's not our job to fix the abortionists. It's not our job to fix the homosexuals. It's not our job to fix the crazy political left or right wings. It's not, it's not our job to fix all the problems of the world. Our, our job is just to love. Our job is to love. And how do we love? We love by giving. And I want you to look at John chapter 17. All right? John chapter 17. And we're going to go down to verse 13. And Jesus, he's preparing himself to leave the world, okay? And he's preparing the disciples for his departure. And so he's talking to the Lord right now. He's talking to God the Father right now. And he says in verse 13, now I'm coming to you, Father. I told them, the disciples, many things while I was with them in this world, this cosmos, so that they would be filled with my joy. Stop. There's, there's so many lessons right here. We can live in the world and be filled with joy. Man, I tell you, I've let the world rob me of my joy so many times. We, this scripture is telling us, listen, I've told you so many things. You probably forgot the fruit of the spirit. You probably forgot the power of the spirit. You probably forgot the authority of the believer. You probably forgot those lessons that Jesus taught you, that Pastor Rife taught you, that your other pastors in your past uh, experience have taught you, that you learned in kids' church, that you learned in youth group. You've probably forgotten those, but he said, I've taught them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with joy. Verse 14 says, I've given them your word and the world, the cosmos, the one that God looks at with affection, the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Wow. Hey, we don't belong to that system. We don't belong to that system. We don't look like that system and we don't operate like that system. We have different values and, and, and different beliefs than that system. He's, now listen, this is not Pastor Rife saying this. It's not your favorite TV preacher. It's not your favorite podcast. This isn't Stephen Furtick, and it's not T.D. Jakes. This is Jesus himself saying this. He says, they don't belong to this world, just as I don't belong to this world. Jesus doesn't even belong to it. What? You made it, not this version. Come on, people. He's like, I made it. I love it, but I ain't of it. Mm, that's a, that's, that sounds like a country uh, gospel <laughs> Well, I made it, I love it, but I ain't of it. We're going to sing that next Sunday, all right? (laughs) He said, look look at this. He says, verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Wow. He's he's saying, hey, y'all don't stay out of the world. Just don't become the world. Like, go out into the world. That's where we are light. Nobody's light in here today, guys. No, we shouldn't be light in here. Like, we all should be light. Light is, light's not light to light. You know what I'm saying? Light is light to darkness. 
And so when we go out there, he's saying, listen, Father, I'm not even asking you that you would take them out of this world. I'm asking you that you would keep them safe from the evil one. Come on, keep them safe from the evil one. Why would he need to pray to the Father that he would keep me safe from the evil one? Because the devil hates you. The devil hates me. The devil is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he, whom he may devour. I can't remember which apostle it was, whether it was John, Peter, or Paul. But he said, I'm telling you what, Peter, it might have been Jesus himself. But he said, listen, right across the threshold of that door, the enemy is waiting to sift you as wheat. Like, I'm telling you when the enemy, when you leave this place, the enemy will fight you in church. Mm-hmm. Well, how'd he get in here? He came in with somebody. Are you following me? The enemy will fight you in church, but he will fight you harder out there. Somebody needs to hear me say it again. The enemy will fight you in church, but he will fight you harder out there. He will fight you uh, harder if you're alone out there. That's why it's there. That's why it's strength in numbers. Stay with people who are grounded in the word. All right, so he's saying, I want you to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Well, you already said that, Jesus. You don't need to say it multiple times. When somebody says something multiple times, what are they trying to do? Get a point across. You don't, I don't belong to the world. Not that version. We are in this world, but we are not of that world. We are called to be light and salt to it. And he says, verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And he says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. That's a powerful statement right there. As Jesus, as God sent the Father, uh, as Father God sent Jesus into the world, Jesus now is turning around and saying, hey, listen, I'm going to my next assignment tag. You're it. You are it. Go out there and love those people. We have, it, you know, they're not your project. You hadn't got to change them. All you have to do is last year's declaration. Anybody remember it? God wants... Come on. God wants the world, the cosmos, to see Jesus in you. So I'll live a life that reflects his glory. I'm telling you what, when you reflect his glory and there's somebody out there with a physical need, they'll come to you for prayer. When there's somebody out there that saw how you went through the loss of a child or a divorce or anything like that and you kept your peace while they're going through it, they'll come to you. You'll be a reflection of his glory. And he says, I'm asking you to make them holy by teaching them your truth. Verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them. And verse 19, I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And look at this, verse 20 says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their, mes their message. Hang on a second, because that's so powerful. What he's saying is, Father, this, this is an uh, umbrella covering prayer. 
I'm not just praying for these disciples that, I've been, that have been with me for the last three years, but every disciple throughout history that will ever believe because of the message that they carry forth. So I'm praying for these disciples and the next generation of disciples and the next generation of disciples and the next generation of disciples exponentially times however many generations that it took to get you and me right here. Are you following me? This very prayer, Betty, he was praying with you in mind. This very prayer, Butch, he was praying with you in mind. Shay, he was praying with you in mind. Rife, he was praying with me in mind as he prayed this. That we would be safe and that we would be in the world and not of the world. And look at, uh, let me see. The latter part of that says, uh, Father, and I, uh, you are in me and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. May we be in the spirit of God. May we be so immersed in our relationship with God that people will just see it. Like we don't have to use words that they will just see the power of God in our life and the, the reflection of Jesus and the image of Holy Spirit in us that just by being in unity with one another and with the Spirit that the world is changed simply by our presence. Are you following me? This morning I spent some time before we were, while we were talking about worship that Hey, invite his presence because when he comes, he comes with the fullness of who he is. Listen, in his presence, there is freedom. However, you carry the presence of God. So, oh, come on, this is good. In your presence, there should be freedom. Because you carry Holy Spirit. You're a Holy Spirit Tupperware container. Wherever you go, you have Holy Spirit inside of you. There should, freedom should happen. People should be liberated. Spirit can be cast off. Joy can be, you know, manifest simply because of you. All right, look at this. Giving is a universal language of love. Anywhere in the world, when you go and give something, it might be received immediately with a little bit of skepticism, I don't know if you've ever been on a missions trip or in some foreign country and you give a gift to, you try to give it and they're like, they don't want to receive it. They, but you, the more you try, the, the more they see, oh, this is like, oh, now, now we're friends. Now we're friends. We don't even speak the same language. Why? Because giving is the universal language of love. And you've heard me say, you'll never, you'll never be more like Jesus than when you're serving, but you'll never love more like Jesus than when you're giving. You'll never look more like Jesus than when you're a servant, but you'll never love more like Jesus than when you're giving because Jesus, who is the heart of the Father, is a giver. There's four ways that you can love the world by giving. The world, the people out there that many of us, I'm not saying all of us, some of you are further ahead in your development than I am because you didn't have some of the baggage that I grew up with. So maybe this isn't a big thing for you, the, the, the viewing the world as repulsive or like, ugh. 
But there's four ways that we can love the world if we will look at it like Jesus looks at the world. Number one, be gracious and generous with your time. There's going to be times that you spend out there with people who are not like us. They don't talk like us. They don't live like us. And here's the danger, because there is a danger. Why? Because we just read Jesus' prayer, keep them safe, Lord. Keep them safe. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Jesus, he ate with the sinners and all of this. And it's like, yes. But if I could just be honest, there are so many believers that they're nowhere close to Jesus' level of maturity they have not reached a level of maturity that you can go into the bar. You, you, you haven't reached that. Uh, and, and sit down with your, your friends who they're going to get a drink after church. Or, or, sorry, not after church, after work. And they invite you. You know, well, may, maybe so. The point that I'm making, I've literally had friends that said, man, I'm struggling because the guys at work, you know, they like to go down to this little bar and get a drink. And I'm like, do you feel like you can go and be a, wit, uh, you know, be a witness? Just you feel like, because they're going to pressure you, most likely. You know, come on, man, just have one, just have one. You know, wh- how do you feel? Do you feel like you can go and be a witness? Or are they going to influence you more? Does that, f- like, you got to know. You've got to know. Jesus is like, man, pray, pray, Father that you protect them from the evil one. Listen, before you just strike out spending time with people, because I'm telling you, you'll start spending time with people, and before you know it, you'll take on their mindsets. I have seen that time and time. I didn't fall off the ministry potato truck yesterday. I've been riding this thing for almost 40 years. I've seen it time and time and time and time again that people do start spending uh, uh, time in different uh, places. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're not even sure about their faith. Listen, that is not what God is talking about when he says being in the world, but not of it. Go out, be the witness, be the light. Look at this. Be generous with your time, but be generous with your talents. Like, man, Be generous with your talents. There are so many people that you have so many gifts that the world needs. This very week, we've been talking about people. And I had, you know, years ago, I had a guy come to me and he said, you know, I just don't know where my place is in the church. I knew exactly where it was, but it wasn't where he wanted to be, you know. And it's certainly not on the praise team. You can't carry a uh, a tune. No, can't, man. I mean, he couldn't. It, it, it's not to speak because you're not eloquent and not that you have to be eloquent because hello. Um, but he's not educated in that area. But he is, an, he is a magnificent servant, like a helps kind of. And I said, your gift is this, but that's not where he wanted to be. And so he was constantly not happy in his place in the kingdom. And I said, man, when you finally get okay with what God created you to be, you're going to hit your stride. And years later, he finally hit that stride. But use your talents because I can do things that you can't do and you can use, do things that I can't do. And again, I was talking to somebody this very week about how that person so talented 
that's per, that, that person so gifted in certain areas and he's going to begin to help in some areas where there are some physical needs that have to be you know, taken care of. The third thing is this. Be generous with your temperament. This is probably the hardest one for me. Be generous with your temperament. Like, I'm telling you, I've gotten so much better over the years. I would be in a restaurant, and if I heard somebody, man, just using foul language, it would so get under my skin. It would, it would just, it would ruin me. And it ruined my mood. It ruined, you know, I can't believe this guy's talking like this in front of my wife, much less these other people. I'm fixing to go over and say something to him, you know, kind of thing. And while I know that there might be an instance for that, make sure Holy Spirit is the one who tells you to do that so that you don't get your tail whipped. <laughs> but be generous in your temperament. Don't, don't be so quick to wrath. Don't, don't be so quick to become indignant over things because the world acts like the world. They don't act godly because they're, they're not. They're ungodly, so they act ungodly. So don't expect godliness from the world. You know what I'm saying? And by the same token, the flip side of that is don't expect ungodliness from the church either. So be generous in our temperament. You know what that is called? Grace. That's what is called grace. I'm giving that guy grace. I'm giving that person grace. I'm giving that person grace because they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. Just like when Jesus was on the cross, he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know. He, Jesus was not on the cross and saying, I want to tell all y'all sorry suckers. Y'all don't know what y'all are doing, and I'm fixing to bring down hell fire on y'all. I'm fixing to go, go up to heaven, and I'm opening up a can before I go. Like, he, that, he was not, he, he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. We should be like that. Like, they don't know. They don't know. And so, you know what? When you feel that temper rising inside of you, who's in control? You are, you are, you are. And you begin to, to operate in love, joy, the fruit, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. You begin to operate. I begin to operate in that. Begin to diffuse the situation. You know what I'm saying? And think of something good to say. Words of affirmation. Think of something good to say. I've used that this week when I was in a situation where, man, the... Folks at the restaurant, you know, I'm like, I could get upset about this or I could just do the bigger thing. And I could say, it's no big deal. I paid for this and I meant to have it this way, dadgummit. I can't eat that. That's going to tear me up. No. Just operate in the fruit of the Spirit. And the last thing is this. Be generous with your treasure. Be generous with your treasure. That's your tangible giving. Like when you think about giving, really giving is all of these things. I give my time. I give uh, my abilities and talents. I give, uh, you know, uh, 
joy and peace where I really want to explode right here. It's really all of these. But giving is really, it boils down to, there are times where our treasure, and Jesus, you've heard this said, Jesus talked more proportionately in scripture about money, the recordings, more about money than any other thing because money can so quickly become our God. And he said, be generous with your treasure because that lets you know that the treasure never has hold on you. You can't outgive God. Give down, press, uh, give, you know, to give back to you, press down, shaken together, running over, Luke, what, 638, I believe says. So these are ways that we can love the world. We can love the world. And really this whole message today is about giving, about giving in all of these different ways and financial is one of those ways. Listen, we have no problem paying, you know, $300 for our kids' football fees and all of that that goes with it. But, you know, we have a problem when it comes to, you know, sending them to Winterfest or some youth camp or some whatever uh, or, you know, uh, giving this to whatever outreach project. Man, I'm telling you, just just... Let the Lord be the Lord of your treasure. Look at these. Say these with me. Say it with me. Giving is the universal language of love. You'll never love more like Jesus than when you are giving. So how can I take what you've told me today, Pastor Rife, put it into action? There's two things. One, we could change our mindset from I can't give that much to I can give this much. Like you've heard me say this if you've been around here for any length of time. You don't have to do everything. I don't have to do everything, but we all should do something. Like whatever we're doing in the church, I'm just saying, like whatever we're doing, like what can I give? What can I give? Because the enemy always takes you down this path of poverty. Well, I can't do that. My God, they're asking for something else. They're worse than the PTO at school or or whatever. No, no, it's it's about giving. It's about making an impact. And you may make a $10 impact, a $1,000 impact, or a $50,000 impact. You know, I don't know, but it's about what I can give, what I can do. And then this last thing is this. Sign up for the impact team meeting that we're going to have on Tuesday, June 13th um, at 630 Now, as you leave today, make sure Drew, whoever's uh, in charge of all of this, there should be some cards that I want you to give out uh, to people. There will be a QR code on there, and you can uh, either snap that, and it'll take you straight to the link with your phone, or you can go to dci.life, and you can uh, register there. But be a part of one of our impact teams. And it's like, Pastor Rife, what are you talking about? I haven't really heard a lot about that. Well, I've been sharing over the last few weeks about these. And really, uh, for since the beginning of the year, that there are four areas that God shared with me. Like, I'm talking to him, and he said, I want you to focus on these four things. Souls, people who don't know Jesus. Suffering, schools, and our city. And so, since we've been praying about these things, the Lord actually brought us a, uh, a school co-op uh, that they're looking for a place. They lost their, uh, I don't know if it was a lease or 
usage agreement or whatever. And so they approached us and they're like, hey, can we, can we use your building? And we're like, we don't know what that looks like or if we can even do that. But like, let's at least meet and talk about it because we've been praying about this that God told us to operate in the schools. I totally was thinking outside the, uh, you know, outside in the public arena, in the public school setting arena. And I believe he's opening those doors to us as well. But he brought this one to us and laid it at our feet. And it's like, so we've already met with them and we're looking forward to having their high schoolers here one day a week all next year. So isn't that awesome? That that's, that's a part of this. And uh, as far as souls and suffering, we, we, we already do some of that kind of ministry through some so-so uh, type ministry and things like that. But I know that there are other opportunities. And we've tried to reach out and get involved in the jail system. And, and, uh, and I do a little bit in Bay Manette. But we've wanted more of that, and, and the doors have not opened yet for us. And I don't fully understand why, but God will, because we know that's a people group that's on his heart. And then the city, uh, where in our local community, wherever you live, because we know we live kind of scattered out in our community, that God would begin to give you influence. We saw Lynn and Teresa who are not here today, and we should pray for her because she was taken to the hospital uh, and, and for some chest pain. So we want to pray for her right before we leave. But when I was over with Lynn and Teresa and their community project that they're doing this summer, that our church, I'm telling you, our church just rallied behind that. It was beautiful to see what God did last year. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Lynn and I'm looking at Teresa and I'm seeing the Mobile Chamber of Commerce and I'm seeing all of these officials there. And, you know, I'm not going to judge their hearts uh, where, where they are in supporting this or if it's just a photo op or whatever, but they're there. Their faces are on it. Their words are endorsing it. And it is unapologetically a Christian ministry to young men, boys, inner city boys, another amazing impact. So when you leave today, take one of those cards and we're going to uh, have that meeting on Tuesday. What was it? Uh, June 13th. All right. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if there's anything that you would like to pray about today, our prayer team's going to be down front and you can come and pray over anything. Um, there are some people here that, you know, you might be like, I'm, I'm give out. I've given all I can give. I've been abused. I, I literally had a person to tell me this recently. Um, that I've given and given and given, and I feel like I've been taken advantage of at every turn. If that's you, come let us pray for you to re- release that heaviness. Because... The world, the cosmos, is messed up, and they will use you. Not only will they use you, our own government, you know, promotes that kind of mentality. But don't let it ruin your heart of generosity. Don't let it ruin your impact and rob you of it. So if there's anything in your heart that you would feel like, man, I'm struggling with this message, Pastor, because I'm just not feeling that going out and making an impact in a community. 
I just, I'm not there. You don't want to admit it because you might think that it makes you look more uh, or, or less spiritual. But listen, it's a safe place here. Let us pray for you.